Hello everyone, welcome to an exciting, crazy edition of ARG Presents. I'm Amigo Aaron, not joined by a man who's currently residing in an undisclosed location. I give to you secret, Brent. I am recording in Amigo Studios Subterranean. Yeah, he we got are, the we are finest good to go plastic here. cup and string to <laughs> join us here today. On ARG Presents. I, I am secure in my bunker. My bunker-like studio. You're the Archie bunker of that bunker. So, <laughs> in, ca- in case you live under a rock or out in the sticks, uh, we are uh, adhering to the, uh, I don't know, what they, what's the official name for this stupid thing? Stay uh, away it, from everybody. Gimmick. It, it is a uh, the precaution. We haven't went to quarantine yet. That's right. And so, and, and to be honest with you, I prefer Britt to be several homes away. And so it worked out, it works out good to have him uh, sequestered in, in his underground lair. Yeah, so, to be fair, I could literally, we could set up a couple of microphones and I could just shout the podcast from the distance we are apart. You're but not wrong. You know how it goes. You're not wrong. So, last week we spun the wheel, we made the deal, Britt. And we the made the second rewind deal. deal, baby. That's right. This week... Believe it or not, we're going to be playing games that were released on the exciting Auric, Auric line of computers. Now, you may be asking yourself, Amigo Aaron, the Brent, you covered the Auric at some point in the past, and you're not wrong. We covered uh, Doggy, and I think Zoron or Zorlog's Revenge. Yeah, because Doggy was the only memorable one of those two. Well, I mean, Zorlog's Revenge is pretty good. Uh, and but uh, the, we uh, thanks to Brent's patented wacky thing. What's that wacky thing called, Brent? The the retro rewind. That's, wooka, wooka. that's right. Well, I don't know what that part was. <laughs> uh, I think he's kicking a puppy over there. Uh, thanks to the retro <laughs> rewind, we actually spun the orc again. So I thought this week to change it up a little. Aside from the fact that we've obviously picked new games, we're going to look at the we looked at the orc one in depth last time. So this time, just a brief look. At the Auric Atmos. Oh, yes. the Atmos. Now, it's funny because I, I remember in the last episode, I sort of used the Atmos as picture for the Auric because it looks so much cooler than the other Auric. It does. It really does. This thing's got a full keyboard, and it's looking solid. So we're going to learn a little bit about that before we kick it off here. So I did a little research. But now, do you remember our, last time we looked at the Auric to a certain, certain degree? Yeah. Uh, this is a computer that was made in the U.K. Uh, uh, and is a... Uh, it was made by an outfit called uh, Tangerine, I believe was the name of it. Yes. Uh, and um, came out, you know, sometime in the early 80s. Now, the Atmos uh, was the successor to the Orc 1, uh, released in February of 84. Now, me and you, Britt, the running gag from the last show was we both thought the Auric was uh, French, you know, which is, it's, which it's, it's not. It's uh, just very popular in France. That's right. And the, and the, and the Atmos was... Had the, its biggest run in France as well. It was, it was a pretty popular, uh, popular little machine. Uh, it, it improved on the original Auric in several. It, well, it really didn't improve a ton, to be completely honest. That's sort of the sort of the rib. But what they did do was they actually uh, they actually improved the keyboard like out the yin yang. It looks great. Yes, it's so much better than the old keyboard, which was again. Uh, Compared favorably to say the ZX Spectrum keyboard, but that's no—that's the lowest bar to, to yeah. leap. You know? I mean, 
Yeah, not, not that is what that is one step from just typing ones and zeros to make your characters into the keyboard. All right now, yeah. the Oric also was supposed to fix certain bugs that were inherently built into the Oric one through its new Atmos version of ROM that was built in the system. Now, the funny thing about this is, uh, if you were a clever person, you could actually get the Atmos ROM, do a little hocus pocus, and stick it in your Oric one if you wanted yeah, to. Yeah, kind of instant upgrade. Sorta, of, yeah. So uh, uh, it had that going for it. Uh, the uh, uh, this thing, you know, the Atmos had all, had had a few differences, but for the most part, it wasn't a, a giant leap. Had a little more memory. It had a uh, uh, it had a button in the back that was like a warm reset button that would allow you to, if the machine locked up, you could hit the button and it would theoretically you wouldn't lose your information. Okay. You'd be scary to try to do that uh, while, while you were programming using, or something. Yeah. yeah, while you were using the thing, uh, the uh, uh, the Atmos was mostly well. That's not that's not entirely true. It was sort of compatible with the Oric One. I mean, let's say seventy percent. But they when they fixed some of the bugs that the Oric One had, they accidentally nerfed a bunch of games and stuff that the Oric One. Had that were that used the various screw ups to make the games work, sort of like the way the Atari Twenty Six Hundred was. You remember that Brent, where it had some difficulties, but they used those errors and freakouts to actually do so. I think the C sixty four does that too. Like I think they used one of the some kind of thing to make a drum beat or something, as I recall. So the Oric, they did the same thing with the Oric One. So when you if you upgrade to the Atmos, you're not going to have full compatibility with the. Uh, with the gaming catalog. Now, that much said, the game I picked this week was on the confirmed for uh, Atmos uh, list. And ironically, I don't think Brent's was. Uh, and mine even had its own sort of Atmos box, which we'll get to. So I guess they released, they re-released some stuff under the uh, Auric Atmos line, I think. Yep. As far mine, as mine was uh, uh, slated for both. Uh, on yeah. the box, oh, was slated it? for Okay, both. very good, yep. very good. Um Numbers on this thing were I couldn't find any sales numbers that were that would give you a, a break. I, I did read that it was successful in in France. I, it was successful enough that um, uh, that you actually get a lot of clones of this thing. And so what they did was they licensed different places to make different versions of the Atmos. Um, <coughs> the uh, they licensed some people in Yugoslavia to make this thing called the Nova sixty four. Cool name. You know, the Nova 64. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, the funny thing is, the Nova 64 uh, had more had more memory, uh, as far as I could tell. Oh, no, I take that back. It was called the Nova 64, but it had 48K. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> that, doesn't seem, that doesn't seem right. Wow. <laughs> Super false advertising. And, and, of course, they also mentioned, the wiki mentioned that in Bulgaria, the Atmos's clone there was the Proved's 8D. So that's... <laughs> 8D, man. <laughs> That's not the 4D you're fighting. 8D. I don't know what that stands for. Uh, so, you know, something else this thing had going for it was it had Microsoft Basic uh, in it. Uh, so it had that going for it. Yes. The uh, uh, It had peripherals, and eventually we have, you know, had a floppy drive. Again, this thing had tape as well. And the Oryx, apparently both the Oryx had an issue with loading stuff from tapes. And we see this all the time on these older machines where the uh, uh, where they have an issue with the volume of the tape. 
You know, and that was a pain in the butt. I mean, again, I go back to the uh, uh, Dick Smith System 80, I believe it was, that we looked at, where it had that onboard equalizer thing built right into the machine for the audio. Yeah. That was a pretty good idea. And brilliant. So a, it was brilliant, yeah. And you'd think they would have done something about that in New York, but I read in a bunch of places that the that the Atmos had the exact same issue. So there, there you go. So... We looked. We went through and looked to see what we could find. Having having went through the uh, previous uh, game cycle on the Auric, I was a little concerned because I didn't remember the last batch of games being all that spectacular. Uh, but I think we've come across um, some interesting choices. Uh, were you excited to come back to the Auric, Brent? I actually was because I, rem- I I don't remember your game from the Auric at all, at all. But I remember Doggy, and yeah. I remember Doggy having good animation. It had that a, a ZX feel, uh, but with uh, uh, less color clash, and it had uh, the game wasn't spectacular. Yeah. I mean, it it was it was pretty basic at its core. Uh, but yeah, I remember there were games when I picked Doggy that I was looking at to pick instead of. So I was happy to come back to this. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, since you're so happy, we're going to let you start the dance. You lead the show, my friend. Tell the fine folks uh, here in live chat and around the world, what was the, your choice? Now, Doggy was an interesting choice. What do you got for us this time? I, I kind of went a different route. I wanted to. Yeah. Doggy, I, I, it was kind of that obscure but famous game. This was is the other side of the coin. This was something that was technically praised uh, but not – commercially successful and i went with damsel in distress and to really talk about damsel in distress we have to back up several layers from the game and first i want to touch on uh the publisher of the game the publisher was ijk software and they got their names from all the uh it was a father and a son uh all working together and they, they just took letters from all their names, and that's how they got their their uh, software name. But they were a huge publisher for the Auric. <clears throat> Starting all the way back in 92, uh, they released software all the way up to 96. On uh, the Auric? It, You're kidding yeah. me. Holy no, smokes. 95 was the last they published for the uh, Auric but 96, they were still doing Spectrum and Amstrad stuff. Even 97, they had a few uh, Sinclair Spectrum releases, and then so, they just went away. So you're telling me these people were releasing new commercial games for the Spectrum in 97? That's correct. That is gutsy. That's a lot That's a lot of hoods. But who was buying these in 97? I, 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 no, 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 no. 87. Oh, Eight, did I say 90? I meant Every 80. Every time you said that, I couldn't believe it. I was like, you got to be joking. Idiot. So go back and start again. What are you talking about? They yeah, released they, them up to 87. 87, that's okay. right. I was stunned. So, I was stunned at that. <laughs> the The reason why this is, this is kind of important is, like I said, these were the big publishers. Normally, if if uh, they released a game for your on the Auric, uh, they, it was a pretty good game. I mean, they had a lot of your uh, Pac-Man clones and your Joust clones, a lot of your arcade clones. So they were a pretty well-known and respected publisher. And the creators of this game were Herman Swag 
Right. And uh, he did all the programming. And Marcel Van Dryl, these are Dutch people, oh, okay. uh, did all the storyboarding okay. and uh, the design. And unfortunately, I couldn't find a whole lot of stuff on Herman Swag. I don't know if he actually did anything past Damsel in Distress, uh, but his counterpart uh, actually went on to do books. He wrote books, and he is a successful artist uh, over in uh, Holland and publishes to this day. And he actually reflects on his time doing Damsel in Distress, and this is important later on to know that he is an author because he says that his dad played the game, and that was their only playtester, so they thought everything was fine. That's their important. dad must have been a real stud <laughs> at games. I salute that man. So Damsel in Distress, you kind of – picture you know you've got a princess or someone that's been kidnapped and you have to go find them you've got to go get them and and and, and save her and that is exactly what is happening in damsel in distress however you don't play as uh this handsome uh hero fighting evil you actually play as an alien that has landed on the planet and in the very beginning, the opening scene, and I wish it stayed on the screen longer, you actually get like a 10-panel comic yeah. that explains what's going on. I actually read this because I loaded this off tape. And so oh, I yeah. Loaded it, I loaded it in real time, and it and, it's, and so you've got plenty of time to look it over. And it does, <laughs> it does document the full story. And it, the, the, the story is idiotic. And the, and the funny thing is it talks about the alien falling for the girl, and it's so blase the way it's written it's like he met this girl then he liked her and it was just like there was something it was like my god this is <clears throat> they didn't put a lot of uh, dialogue into this that was uh, meaningful it was well, but it there, was actually sort of funny there are two panels on the comic that are great uh it has the alien falling in love with the girl and he's he's expressing his love he said i love you and the girl's response is i know yeah that's <laughs> it that's what that was one of them <laughs> and then so the girl is a scientist, and she goes down to a mine to do some research, and she doesn't come back. And the alien, whose name is Buzzy, when he realizes that she's gone, yells, stupid girl, in one of the panels, and then goes off to save her. <laughs> so with a setup like that, what kind of game are you in for? Well, well you're in for a from hot from Dutch or whatever. Got a, uh, that lost a little something there. Yeah, <laughs> I believe uh, didn't this didn't this game actually say somewhere that's it's was made it what it, it is from Holland or whatever in the on the screen somewhere. Yes. I believe I read that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the game is a single screen uh, puzzle platformer where you are required to get. X amount of keys, depending on the level, to go onto the next screen. It's a 20-screen game, and it does the thing where it labels each screen with a title at the bottom to kind of better set up what's going on. And I, most people love those type of games. I know I do. Uh, and 
the overall arching story of this game, if you actually read the screens as you go through, at first he's just, you know, going through the cave system. He's trying to get through, and then he starts to uh, uh, talk about mushrooms and how, uh, you know, he's it takes a mushroom to fall in love. And I don't know what's up with that, but sometimes depending on who your lover he, is, maybe a couple mushrooms. And it talks about uh, how he can't get enough of them, and then it starts to take this odd twist into religion, uh, well, up to the point where, at the end of the game, you find out spoilers uh, on this on the twentieth screen, you find out that your alien buddies were the ones that actually kidnapped this girl. And has her in a, a little glass tube, and you have to avoid all your alien uh, friends to get down to the bottom and save her. A task which I, I tried desperately to um, uh, complete because I really wanted to see the ending screen, but was unable to That's do. That's hilarious. Just the thought that you would say that makes me fills me with laughter. <laughs> what a load of so, like you acted like you may have had a chance. I tried to get to the twentieth screen. No, no, no. I played the 20th screen. Uh, Did you skip to it or something? Yeah, and we'll go over that in a second. Oh, I didn't know there was a cheat. So, the game is your basic platform puzzler, and it takes, uh, you know, precise jumps. Unfortunately, where the game really falls flat is it doesn't take precise jumps. It takes pixel-perfect jumps on almost every single jump. And uh, the difficulty curve on this game is off the charts. Were you able to get off the first screen, Aaron? Oh, God, no. Were you able to collect more than one key? No, no. Okay. By the so, way, yeah. this is me playing right here, if you're watching the video. Uh, and so you can see uh, my ineptitude. And Well, go ahead, but yes, no, I never got past the first key. And that's okay. not for lack of trying either. I, uh, I was able to collect all three keys. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to do it on one life, uh, and you, no progress is saved. You have to collect all three keys on one life to advance to the next stage. I was unable to do that, and I tried like gangbusters. I wanted so badly to say that I got off the first screen because in the Auric community, this game is incredibly famous. And it is famous because it looks great. It sound The music uh, they've got playing is incredible, Stunningly but I'll get good. to why in a second. Stunningly good. Um, <clears throat> and uh, uh, it's, a, it's a programming marvel. Everyone said this this was one of the best games uh, graphically to come out on the Auric. And if you flip through all the screens, I played every level. I didn't uh, look at the different levels, but I didn't play Yeah, I, I played them all. I tried them all. And some I was more successful on than others. Was there a cheat for Is that how you did it? Yes. Okay. There's a level. Yeah, there's a level skip. Uh, and there are so many unique sprites. And... All of them have uh, not animation because most of them are just sliding around the screen, but they usually have a frame or two of unique animation. For an example, there's an octopus that goes up and down, 
and during his up and down animation, <clears throat> one of his little tentacles curls in and out. So it's just basic animation, but there's so much of it uh, throughout the entire game. But no one ever gets to see it because the game is off the charts difficult. Yeah. Now, Aaron, uh, real quick, I want to touch on the music of this game, which is also incredibly stunning. Yeah. Do you know why? I don't know why. That tune that is playing is a Depeche Mode song called New Life. I'd heard, uh, I read a chat somewhere that someone mentioned they thought it sounded like Depeche Mode. It is, it doesn't sound like Depeche Mode. It is a direct ripoff of the song. Uh, Hilarious. Now, it is, it, the MIDI of it is incredible. Incredible. Uh, it's a great joy to listen to. They, they, I have they, to they wonder. They did a great job on the, on the audio. On, I mean, yeah, I couldn't believe I have to wonder if they. Obviously, they didn't call up Depeche Mode and get permission, right? No. <laughs> but I, I, I have to wonder if someone of that two two person crew, because one person was all programming and then one person was all design, uh -huh. they didn't mention anyone doing music. Well, someone. Did so I have to wonder if they lifted that track off of just somebody else. I will say this: uh, this is a. Uh, this shows you what the Auric, uh, and again, this runs on the uh, on the original, so it's not like the Atmos got, they jacked up the sound. I mean, the Auric's uh, the music abilities are off the charts. I mean, this I'm not saying it was like C64 good, but it's the next level below that. It's really good. Yeah, for for the uh, limitations of the system, yeah, it's incredible how many voices it sounds like it has, and the, and the fact that this is playing wide, this all this crap's going on the screen. It was a uh, that was a very technically impressive feat. Yes, I, I wholeheartedly agree. So this game had everything going for it, except for the one thing that all games need, and that is good level design, which. This did not have. Now I am, I am super glad that uh, uh, Marcel was able to go on and have a successful writing career. Uh, kudos to him. I love to hear it when someone started out in video games and moves on to do something, uh, uh, you know, all inspiring and impressive. However. Uh, this was his one and only video game that I could find credited to him oh. or that, that he took credit for. Yeah. And that's probably for the best because ah, his what? level design was absolutely atrocious. So you're not giving this guy any love. <laughs> no. It, it, you know, he was 17 when he wrote this. Wow. I don't know how, I don't know how old the programmer was. I couldn't find that information, but Marcel was 17 when he wrote when he helped design this your classic so, bedroom programming team right there yeah yeah and uh uh i was uh i found out so much about him. he wrote he writes uh not children's book he writes youth young adult books yeah and uh when i went back and i read the comic and i i flipped through the screens and read all the titles and that and saw the evolution of what was going on with those, and maybe I'm reading into it, but it does have a writer's flair and the big twist at the end that the aliens were the ones that was holding your love the entire time. That's very uh, 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 writer-ish, in my opinion. 
<laughs> but I'll have to say, uh, I, I can't, I can't say, go and buy an Oric for this game. I can't even say go and emulate an Oric for this game because while it's not difficult, uh, it's not go to a website and play it either. Um, uh, so unfortunately, I have to give this game my lowest rating of don't bother playing it. Wow, just I didn't know because you even have it is system. so difficult. Very impressive. Well, let allow me to uh, to uh, have a quick moment uh, uh, to speak on this game. All right. Now, I could tell the second I loaded up the first screen what this was. I knew exactly what it was. Someone had played played themselves some manic miner. Oh, absolutely. And and yeah. And they heard a guy say, "Hey, this manic miner's hard." And this dude was like, "Hold my champagne." Because I'm going to take this thing to an exciting new level of, of pain. And that's exactly what they did. This game uh, is a Manic Miner clone. One of a zillion of them. Uh, that much said, it's not a hack job. I mean, they really put some effort into this. The problem is, I mean, literally, much like Manic Miner, the very first thing you come to on the first level requires pixel-perfect maneuvering. The very first thing you come to. The very second thing you come to requires pixel-perfect accuracy. Everything after that requires pixel-perfect action. Now, I was playing this on the keyboard, and I was just, I was like, okay. I knew as soon as it came up, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I gotta get my joystick set up for this thing. And I, and, and it didn't help. You know, it, it, it was a no Oh, no. It, it was a yeah, no In fact, go. keyboard's much better. Yeah. Um, the, the, this, it's just too difficult. And it's a shame because the screens looked cool. Uh, the other screens... <laughs> Much like Manic Miner, it had like like I said, it had they named all the rooms. Uh, there's a lot going on. They're varied. Uh, the enemies are varied. The screens are vastly different. This is the kind of game I will say, if if you liked, and I'll admit, remember when we covered the uh, Manic Miner, and we and we I've also looked at the the sequel. Uh, uh, those games they click with you, and you. You embrace the suffering. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, if if you could get into that frame of mind. And this is a perfect example of a game you buy, and then you're like, you know, I bought this game for whatever I paid for it. It's the only game I've got for the next six months. And I'll be damned if I'm not going to sit here and beat this sucker. Yes. And you just sit there and suffer through. Uh, in a modern world like today where you've got save states, you could, you. could this is a game where you could use them. Oh, yeah. But... Uh... I don't know of any Auric emulator that has safe states. It's funny you should mention it, because I actually had to try this on two different emulators. The first, I ran my game on Mess, uh, and it ran fine. Oh, okay. Now, this game, I could not get to start correctly under Mess, so I had to use the other Auric emulator, and it didn't have safe states, and then, for whatever reason, Mess wouldn't let me do safe states either. So, yeah. I, if there's one out there that's got safe states, I haven't seen it. I don't know what it is. Uh, but uh, uh, I, this is a game where you would really could really use save states. Maybe they've got if the Oryx like most modern uh, old machines, you know, with, with the technology. Maybe they've got a card, an SD card solution with something. I don't know. You know, if you're an Oryx guy, an Atmos guy, drop us a comment. Let us know if there's some sort of modern peripheral that lets you do that stuff. All that said, this game is ridiculously hard. Uh, and it's a shame because I think there's probably a good game in there. But this was the way they did it over in, over in the UK and Europe, man. They they punished you. These games were punishing. And if and there are there are two cheats. Uh, one is a change the code cheat 
that you can you can poke the memory and alter it so you get unlimited lives. Yeah. But the other cheat is built in. If you hold down Q D five V eight L and single quotations mark all at the same time, it will then allow you to select whatever board you want to start through one through twenty. Well, who the hell sat down and figured that out? I they just busted open the code. I'm sure. That was a, what uh, a goofy thing. But I did try it. It did work. And like I said, I did play every level, and the game retains its difficulty throughout. I had no doubt. Um, <laughs> which is it, it's so unfortunate. I mean, it, it's uh, Marcel said it. Like I said before, his dad was the one that played the game and ran through the levels. And he said his dad could get past every level, so they thought it was easy enough. I either think Marcel's dad was some kind of super gaming god, mm. or <laughs> or or a dirty li- a dirty rotten liar. I'm not sure which. Maybe they were like, uh, "Dad, dad, check all these levels." He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I'll do it." Yeah, it's and like, "Yeah, I beat, beat it, like, yeah, kid. Don't worry about I'll it." it. That's what. I, that's... <laughs> so well. So I'll have to say. I, I enjoyed Damsel in Distress for the time that I had it. Uh, I think the the box art for this game, which is just a damsel standing on a castle, is very misleading. But I guess you have that back in the day. It's a very beautiful box. Uh, I could not find this on sale anywhere. Not that I'm too surprised. Searching for Damsel in Distress obviously brings up a million different things. Uh, but, yeah. There you go. Damsel in Distress. Is it as good as Doggy? No. <laughs> no, it's not. Go it, play Doggy. It's a, it's a game that, like I said, if you, if, you're, if you need something, a fresh challenge after defeating Manic Miner, this <laughs> is the game for you. Yeah, that's it. All right. Good job, Brenny. Nice work there. So, after coming off that particular game, I, and, you know, when I picked last time, I picked a game that was also kind of hard. So I wanted to pick something. I, I looked around to see what kind of games that were available. And I found one that was actually, it, I thought, oh, here we go. This is just a clone. But there's more to it than meets the eye, so I had to go for it. And so I'm glad I did now. So the game I ended up going with was Lone Raider. The Lone Raider. <laughs> yeah. It's Raider. Raider. So uh, let's talk about the Lone Raider, uh, Branster. Now, Alrighty. This thing was, uh, uh, this bad boy came out uh, way back, original release in uh, 1983, right, for the yes. Oric One. Now, there was, as far as I could tell, there was a, uh, a separate boxed version of the, uh, of the uh, Lone Raider that was, that was like sort of released when they did the Atmos. If you're watching, I'll, I'll stick it up there. That's the boxed for the Lone Raider, uh, uh, for the Atmos. It's, it's a sleeker box, but not as attractive, in my opinion. I kind of like the original box, the big logo. Uh, so, what the hell is this? Well, again, published by uh, an outfit called Severn Software. Now, I looked into these guys just for fun. Uh, they were founded in 82, defunct in 84. It was oh, a short, that's quick out the door. It's a short run. Uh, and if you're from the UK or know anything about it, they were at Five School Crescent, uh, Lydney, Gloucestershire, uh, uh, GL155TA, whatever all that stuff means. So I've heard, 
I've heard Boat talk about Gloucestershire. I know I'm butchering that, and I apologize, but that's where their offices were. Uh, they uh, they were a company that produced uh, games for the Oric One. Uh, they were founded by two fellows, Mike Howard and Adrian Shepard, and they ran uh, they ran this thing for the two years that it was around. They did mostly uh, Oric and Spectrum work. They did a little bit of C64 work, uh, and they did a couple games. Uh, for other publishers, including a James Bond game. So they, they had some knowledge of what was going on. Uh, the guy that did this particular game is named Adrian Shepard. He did a few games on the Auric. Uh, he did Dinky Kong. I wonder what that's about. You know, did the old dinker. Uh, <laughs> and he did a game called Encounter, a game called Grail, a game called Jogger, uh, Auricade. I don't like Auricade. I like, that sounds like something you would, uh, a medical thing. He also, like worked, he also did some work on the Extended Basic. I'm not exactly sure what that means. Oh, okay. <clears throat> uh, this game was out on cassette and was released for £8.50. So not too, not too shabby. And uh, that's what you're looking at there. So, um, <clears throat> what is this game? Well, this, this is one of these games, and you know I love these, Brent, that has a, that has a back story in it. Uh, and so I had, to, I had to get in there and have a look at it. So... This, this is what's written on the inside of the, uh, of the actual uh, cassette. It says, The story so far, the, for eons, Earth's battle fleet has held back the alien Zugs who are intent on complete destruction <clears throat> of humanity in order to gain a strategic position in the universe. That's how important Earth is. The wow. Zugs' ultimate intention is to wipe out all forms of intelligent life in the universe. Human science is desperately working on perfecting an ultimate weapon with which to destroy the evil aliens. To give humanity precious time, a spaceship, the Lone Raider, possessing formidable weaponry, has slipped through the defenses to reach the alien artificial planet. Your mission, as captain of the ship, is to wreak as much havoc as possible and to hold against the planetary defenses, thus taking the aliens' attentions away from Earth. You will have to battle your way through using phaser cannons and neutron bombs. You seek the mother ship. She is heavily guarded, and your chances of surviving long enough to even glimpse her are slim. And they're wow. not kidding on that last part. Pretty good. For, it's amazing they could fit all that onto a cassette inside. Uh, the, it also mentions the incredible aspects of the game. It features superb graphics. I like this one. Volume control. We should mention <laughs> that the Auric had, had the speaker built in. Yes. So volume control was a thing. Uh, high score, four screen scenarios, missiles, fuel dumps, mines, sharks, octopi, mothership. Uh, and it also supports the joystick using the interface from Pace Limited. So you've got, it, you've got a lot of stuff there. Um, so what is this game? Well, when you first boot it up, uh, frankly, you're going to look at this. and you're gonna, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, wait a minute. This looks like some sort of scramble knockoff. Is that what you were saying? Oh, yes, 100%. Well, let's face facts. This game is a complete and original work. It has nothing to do with Scramble. <laughs> now, on the first screen, you pilot a ship that bombs and shoots its way through an alien landscape. And you have to shoot fuel canisters to, to, to maintain your fuel. Now, I'm, this first level is a straight-up like ripoff of uh, Scramble. Uh, it looks pretty good. We should mention, and we didn't mention this on Brent's game, but... Uh, the Auric has color class, very much like the Spectrum. 
and so both these games will have, you will get some of that color clash action. This game's no exception. Uh, although, you, although uh, damsel in distress, it was very limited. Well, I mean, you still got you got it on every level. It was I saw plenty of. Color it was clash. very. I, I, it was it very. Limited. It didn't like hose the game up or anything. Yeah. And this game's the same way. Uh, so the first level of this is your ship as you go across a green alien landscape. And you're like dropping bombs and shooting. One button does it all. Now the button set up on this thing was bizarre. I'm sure it made sense on the Auric. The uh, uh, you use the greater than or less than signs to move back and forth, and then you use control to go up and shift to go down. Well, that's a problem if you're in the states because control is above is below shift. So yeah, <laughs> I had to remap that to joystick. I was like, that was driving me crazy. Um, <clears throat> now this game takes an interesting turn. After you get to the end of the first level. Quite literally. Yeah. Your ship actually turns sideways and starts to descend down into a uh, a cavern or volcano. Now, what? wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're, you're, not, you're not setting this up properly. Okay. The ship is flying left to right. All right. It gets to a point, and then the ship sprite turns to face you. Yeah, that's right. It's an incredibly neat effect. Did you expect that when you started this? I absolutely did not. What it reminds me of, if you, if you, uh, uh, it's funny because uh, it was, well, I think it was our first show me, that me and Bo did on ARG Presents was Caverns of Mars, <clears throat> and it's the same viewpoint you get in Caverns of Mars as you, as you descend down into the planet. Now, uh, since since uh, a game like uh, dams on distress exists. This game couldn't just let you descend into the second level easily. No, they had to put a turn in that first cavern. That is instant death, and when you fail to make it, you instantly have to start the first level over. This was and I never made it past it. This was crushing. I did. I did get past. It. In fact, again, this is my gameplay footage. If you're watching at home, so you can see what I'm up to here. The, the scramble section of this game is is pretty simple. Uh, once you get the hang of how to control the ship. Now, let me tell you something. What is the deadliest part of the first level? Boredom? No. No, no. This game has something that rarely you can do in a game. You can run into your own bombs. And yeah. I killed myself that way over and over because I, I like to I like to descend very quickly and go down and blow stuff up. And I would drop bombs and then and I and then just I kept exploding. I'm like, what's happening? Well, I was running into my own bombs, and that, yeah. you can do that. that so on, on that level, uh, that was the most de deadly and difficult part. Of oh, that. once you realize there it, it's go. easy to avoid. If you're watching the video, this here, I just I just actually made it into the planet. Then you go down to the second level where you are descending downward. Now, full disclosure, I never got past this level, and I don't know what the last two levels are because no one apparently, much like your game. <laughs> There's zero footage of this of anyone getting anywhere. In fact, I'm not sure there's any footage of anybody getting to this part of the game. I couldn't find it. That's why I had to shoot my own footage. Uh, so, and Brent's game, forget about it. There was no footage of anybody getting past the first level of that game, which I'm not sure anyone in the history of man has actually done it. So in the second level, you are descending down through a cavern, and you're, you still have to shoot fuel tanks, and there are like little there are critters just flying around back and forth that you have to bomb or shoot. The neat thing about the second level is your ship can assume three forms. Pointed to the left, pointed to the right, or pointing straight at you. And so it's kind of neat the way they do it. Uh, and you have to shoot to left or right because you have to blow away the uh, fuel canisters that are over there. 
but that you know, it, depending on how desperate you are for fuel, because something else you've got to do is aside from blowing up the critters, there are these laser gates that pop up occasionally. And it's a it's a it's a line that goes all the way across the screen, and you literally have to bomb your way through it by by basically punching holes in it with your bomb. I never got through one, to be honest with you. I must have played this game a hundred times. So once again, I'd say the difficulty is a little higher than I probably would have enjoyed having it. It was really tough. Now, Aaron, since you made it into the cave system... What's that? When you made it into the cave system, if you die inside the cave system, do you restart at the top of the cave? If you die, if you get through the initial opening into the caves, then you get to start at the caves. Okay. If you if you don't get through, then you have to start all the way at the beginning of the game. It's oh, a, it, yes. It's quite And that brutal. is what killed this for me. Yeah. And, and, uh, I, oh, I loaded it up, and I was like, okay, this is obviously a Scrambler game. Scrambler fun game. And I'm flying across, <clears throat> and it, the first level takes three or four minutes. Yeah. And uh, – it's it's incredibly dull. Uh, there's no threats. I mean, there are, are missiles that will occasionally fly up that uh, are incredibly easy to avoid or destroy. Well, I mean, when your own weaponry is the largest, largest hurdle yeah. in the first level, you know it's an easy level. So I got through the first level first time. I mean, everyone will. It's that easy. And then it does that cool transition where your ship rotates. Yeah. And I start going down. And I see at at the bottom of the screen is this big open cavern. Uh, I'm like, okay, cool. It, it should, it's just going to auto uh, fly me to that open cavern part, and I'll be on the next level. No. the it, You have to fly through this insanely narrow passage, and the transition – the transition part is very slow as it turns your ship, but then the acceleration for your descent is very, very fast. So you have to be exactly ready for the game to start back up to give you control to shimmy to one direction and then the other. That was the I exact never point got past that I hooked it. up the joystick. I was like, screw this. Uh, well, no I way. don't think that would have mattered for me at least. It helped me. Uh, <clears throat> I, I tried it and I tried it and I tried it. And I got to the point where I could do the first section without even just setting up and not having to touch the keyboard. Just hit the the uh, shoot button, and I flew that first section over and over and over. And eventually, I was just like, you know what? I'm done. Screw this. Why am I playing this? And I went back to play more Damsel in Distress, where at least, even though the level design is absolutely horrible the game is fair ish it's not fair on level 10 Uh, it has a segment where it will kill you if you don't move and i hate that but i've always made some form of progress in damsel in distress whereas this game it was four minutes of boring to take one shot at the thing i couldn't get past that i kept dying at and i absolutely hated this game because of it well i will say this the little the little cavern uh curve if you've played scramble a lot which i have there's a there's a section in that where you have to negotiate a uh, a section and there's also a section yes. super cobra 
that does the same thing. So this is tradition in these games to screw you with a cavern of pain. That said, I think that was a, a, a that was a mistake because the second level is pretty cool. And sadly, I think a lot of people won't even get to see it because, and they're just thinking, oh, this is a cheap scramble coin. I'll admit, the reason I picked this game was basically because that because I wanted to see what that second level was like, and I couldn't, no one had any footage of it. So yeah. I was proud of myself, but sadly, I actually got further than what I've got recorded here, but I wasn't taping at the time, so I started, to, I started recording every game I played the rest of the week so I wouldn't miss it. Uh, because at the time, I didn't know I was going to have to use footage that I had to produce. Uh, so I went ahead and just did it myself. Uh, one thing about this uh, current situation is you got a lot more spare time. So I had plenty of time to record a bunch of stuff. Um, the th- I know this game has Octopi in it. I'd love to see what their involvement in this is. And so I was thinking about this, Brent, as a... Uh, uh, a, 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 a I would like to do... A, I would like to institute something on both these games this week. All right? I haven't even talked right. to you about this. This is right off the cup. I'll call it the Amiga or the uh, ARG like uh, game challenge. Okay? So here's the challenge. All if, right. If you can produce to us video proof of you getting past... The second level of this game, or the first level of Brent's game, you will be uh, sent an ARG prize packet in the mail. <laughs> All right, how's that sound? What do you think about that, Brent? I, I think that our prize packages are safely tucked away and will not be disturbed. No, I'm going to do these occasionally going forward. So if uh, that's the truth, and we'll mention it again at the end of the show. So uh, now you're probably thinking to yourself, wait a minute. Uh, you're, this doesn't look that fun or interesting or deep. Well, you're wrong, and you're a jerk for thinking that. Because there's actually some interesting elements of this game that, that uh, are overlooked unless you dig into the menus. Of course, you've got a difficulty uh, slide on this thing that goes all the way from like easiest pie, which is what it's on when you start, all the way up to like murderous doom. And that in itself is pretty cool. But what makes this thing really interesting to me is there's a menu you can go into, and it lets you set how the uh, the occurrence of each item in the game with sliders. So it's got uh, it's got fuel stations, missiles, lasers, um, enemy ships, octop- octopi, and you just slide. The more you slide up the bar, the more they'll appear. <clears throat> so just for fun, on the first level. I slid the fuel gauge all the way to the top and everything else to the bottom. And there was right. fuel everywhere. You can <laughs> see it right. In fact, it's right here is where I did it. If you watch the video, there was nothing but fuel everywhere. So you can actually, like, if you want to add, like, tons and tons of missile launches, you can. You know, it's, it's, I thought that was an interesting aspect. Effectively, this guy's giving you the level editor that he, that he used to, to crank this stuff up. <clears throat> Pretty cool. And I like yeah, the, that is that's a neat way of doing it. I like the idea that you, it gives you all that access to all those different things, and it wasn't even mentioned on the cassette thing. So you and then <clears throat> what you can do is you can set the missiles all the way up to high, and then you can turn the difficulty all the way up to high on that first level, and it's a whole different level of pain than what you would be expecting. Because when you've got all those missiles coming up, it's a lot more challenging, you know. So and I, who knows what it does on the second and third levels. Uh, I, I, but I thought that was I thought that was kind of a neat a- aspect to the game. So your final thoughts on this, Brit? Not a fan overall. No, this is this is another one that I, I would not even bother uh, playing if it was loaded up at your buddy's house. 
it's it's not worth uh, it's just not worth it. The the dullness of the first level combined with the frustrating uh, beginning of the second level does not make for a fun experience. No part of what I played in uh, your game was a fun experience. I think. Whereas juxtapose at least with damsel in distress. Uh, when I made progress, I felt accomplished. I never felt that with your game. You know, the, the thing is, I think they were close on this, though, and I'll tell you why. Uh, you've got a guy here that, I mean, the the guy that wrote this, he went on to do some pretty good stuff. Alan Shepard, uh, he, he worked on games like Pipe Dream, One Man and His Droid, uh, BMX Simulator. So, I mean, this guy's got a decent pedigree. I just sure. think there was, a, there was a little, I think if it wasn't for that tunnel... You got, it's amazing how that little area can screw you. And then also, if you have to start completely over, uh, that's brutal. You know, that yeah, is, it is. It, it, and I mean, it I makes for an unfair, unfun experience. I think once you get used to going down that tunnel, it's not that bad, to be completely honest with you. Uh, this one also had a, a gimmick you could put in to get uh, unlimited lives, uh, which I found out right before I, <laughs> right before I came in here. So, if you, so I would definitely look that up. Uh, I looked this up on eBay. Uh, I couldn't find nothing. Uh, I could. I found tons of Lone Ranger stuff, and so when I changed it to Lone Raider, I didn't find Jack Squad. So I, I you're you're on your own uh, when it comes to trying to find these. Uh, and I don't know how uh, I don't know how prevalent or or uh, how uh, common or uncommon these are in uh, the UK. The or the Oryx stuff. I, I noticed that one one of our chatters in here, Rushi, just priced one of the Atmos, and it was going. You know, it was going up in a, a couple hundred pound range. Uh, you could never get these in the States. Now, I, I can't recall from the last time. I don't remember if they tried. It seems like they tried to make a play in the States on these. But, I mean, we've never seen anything like these over here, have we? No, absolutely yeah. not. You know, we have seen a lot of them over here, Brent. If I could figure What's out where that? I put it. Here it is. The wheel. Let's spin the wheel, Brent. What do you think? Well, why don't you tell the people at home what you added to the wheel? I don't remember. Uh, oh, we added ARG. No. Um, let me see here. Oh, the Sharp X68000 to re- on our Retro Rewind, right, Brent? Right. Since since we only hit since we hit the Retro Rewind, it was the only piece that needed to be exchanged this week. Look at that, look at that shine right there. All right, I'm going to spin this sucker. I'm going to do my best. You ready? Go for it. And we got um Zombie games. Zombie oh, okay. games. Nothing wrong with a little zombie game action. So next week, we'll be playing games featuring zombies. I feel like a zombie sometimes. How, how, uh, <laughs> how appropriate. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> no kidding, man. Now, since we put this on the piece, let's, let's establish some rules here. <laughs> okay. Zombie there games. are no rules. So I could pick a game, a zombie that came out yesterday. I could put it on the, I could play it. If I want sure. to, I'm not going to. So anything, there, anything throughout history is, is up for grabs. That is absolutely correct. Anything that features zombies, and I'm not talking a zombie mode. I'm not talking. Oh, you can put in a code to make them look like zombies. Yeah. This has to be zombie-focused games. Okay. You have one in mind. I already know what I'm playing. Yeah. Oh man. So. 
We'd like to thank everyone for joining us in the chat today. We had a good group in here. Brent, you want to run through some of these folks we had in the chat room today? Yeah, Mega Bang. Uh, we got uh, he spent a few of his uh, 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 Amigo points to highlight the message that it does not that this computer, being the Oric, does not look quite as good as the games on the Commodore 64. I 100% agree with that. Yeah. This was definitely more of a Spectrum. Uh, level. I think of... it, I think it's more in the Sam Coupe zone. Uh, okay, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, Roushy joined us in the chat. Buck Owens, Pixels at Dawn. We had a little Frodo action. Frodo was able to find uh, a little extra information on Herman, the programmer for the game. He worked for Exact Software as a consultant in the early '90s and is now a freelance technical consultant and fine art photographer oh very so, good Frodo, nice thank you for that that bit of information our uh, our native dutch speaker has come through for us like, good job dude uh, we got a uh, christian we've got uh da, 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 da. there it is uh my loving wife joined us in chat this morning I'd Picard go at geo's lake Good crew, good crew. You know, uh, I want to say that Pixels, ever the detective, did find a copy of Lone Raider that's popped up on eBay for fifteen pound. By it now, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. You know, I'll no. tell you. Hold on a second, Brent. Let's back up just a second. These games are going for usually under ten pounds. That's not. I mean, there's that's a that's a cheap price for the amount of game you get out thing. I think it's not the worst deal. I would pay. <laughs> I would pay. Fifteen. I would pay ten dollars for Damsel. I would not pay it for uh, for uh, Lone Raider. I'm the exact opposite on that one. Um, listen, one more thing. I'm going, to, I'm going to reiterate this. This is a real thing. If you can show video footage of you getting past the first level of Damsel in Distress, or getting past the second level of uh, Lone Raider, if you send us that video footage. Or send us a link to it. The address on the screen, argpresents at mail.com. That's a direct link to me and Brent. Uh, you can also send any comments, questions uh, to that address. If you have this, you will receive an ARG prize packet. This is the ARG game challenge. Uh, and so we're looking for someone to get past this stuff. Um, we'd like to thank our good buddy, the awesome Duncan Styles, the Dunk, for the awesome... Tron-like 3D graphics, which we didn't really use today, given this format, but we did use his awesome opening, which he made. We also want to thank our good friend, The Bark Bit, for our catchy closing theme. Uh, which I do not believe is a song from Depeche Mode. No, I don't think it oh, is. You know, something we should mention, one thing our game had in common was both of them used stolen music to the nth degree. But you're right, because my game, I should have mentioned that, featured... A knockoff of the theme from Superman and a knockoff of the of the Star Wars theme. That's right. So they were they weren't subtle on the Auric. They just didn't no, they weren't. I like it. Well, <laughs> I think that's all we got, Brenny. Uh, we will be back next week. We will we will probably be in this wacky format for until the heat's off and Brent can leave his basement. Uh, so we're glad you could join us. Hell, we're gonna keep the ball rolling, man. Ain't nothing nothing stops us. Uh, from putting out uh, midland uh, mediocre quality content 24/7. Except our ISP. What's that? Oh, that's true. The Hillbilly ISP. It does stop us. Thanks, Brent. 
You already brought me down there, man. Good night, everybody. We'll see you All next right. week. Bye-bye.